The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that the original fifth member of the Beatles was an armadillo? But they kicked him out of the band before they got big because he was too charismatic and he was distracting people from the music. I, I did, did not, not know, know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> For more armadillo facts and to unlock bonus content, please check us out at www.patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover the prologue and chapter one of The Fires of Heaven, book five of The Wheel of Time. So previously, Nynaeve's detective agency undertook a heist and rescue where Nynaeve fought a forsaken... But then she decides that she's about that catch and release thing for some reason. <laughs> like, no, I don't kill people, even if they're forsaken. I don't know. Uh, Perrin leads the two rivers to a uh, just a wonderful victory against Trollocs. And he also sends the White Cloaks packing, and he picks up a title. So now his official name, I believe, is Lord Perrin von Wolfking Goldeneye Trolloc Fucker Ibarra. That's <laughs> <laughs> his new name. It's yeah. kind of long, but it's got a real, like, catchy. Yeah, because of all those Trollocs he fucked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Look, you fuck one Trolloc, right? <laughs> Uh, Bran pisses off a bunch of Aiel, then goes off chasing Asmodian, who is, uh, I believe was wearing Michael Jackson's jacket from Thriller for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, because it's awesome. I, I mean, like, he was this, the sharpest dresser, because <laughs> he was wearing Michael Jackson's jacket. Uh, Lanfear traps Asmodian into being Rand's new captive Gleeman teacher, and, uh, we all know that Tom's gonna be super jealous about that. Because mm-hmm. Tom was like, dude, I'm your Gleeman. He's like, but this guy teaches me magic. Tom's like, I teach you music. Music is beautiful. I teach you illusions. Illusions. <laughs> They're not called tricks. They're called illusions. Okay, so this is The Fires of Heaven. I think we should start by judging this book in the best way there is to judge a book. Which by is its cover, right? By a cover. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, I want to... we had a book cover where they weren't being ambushed by Trollocs yet? No, I think that's just a... a universal experience for these people. There's always Trollocs hiding around the corner. I think that Daryl Sweet just got really good at drawing Trollocs, so he didn't want to bother with anything else. And the thing is, is that once you get really good at drawing Trollocs, it's not like you can draw that in all all your other books, right? So this is his one opportunity to use his Trolloc skills. That's true. Yes. He, he probably turned it into the publisher and is like, okay, I drew what you wanted, and I also threw in some sweet Trollocs all over there. <laughs> You're like, well, I guess yeah. that's fine. Okay. I mean, but I guess we have to write some more Trollocs into the book. <laughs> So I think this, they're starting to make these characters look pretty iconic on the cover. Yeah, they do actually have like a, a face that is the same as the other faces, right? I was going to go with recognizable, but iconic is better, <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so we know that's Rand right in the middle because he's got red hair and he's in the middle. And he's got a chiseled jaw. And he's doing that thing with his hands. It's like where you're doing public speaking and you're not really sure what to do with your hands. So you start thinking about it too much and you can't remember what you normally do with your hands. So you just sort of like hold them out awkwardly. I bet right before this he tried to put his hands in his pockets, but that coat doesn't have any pockets. <laughs> like, shit, well, I'm just like, oh, I can't, I don't want to act like I did something weird. So I'm just going to hold my hands here like I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, and Matt's on there with his sweet sword staff. I want to point something out. Uh, did you know that Matt is carrying a kitten instead of his jacket? What? what? 
Oh my god, you're right. What? No, that's the fox head medallion. That's a big medallion, if that's what that is. Like, I don't remember the fox head medallion. Okay, first of all, it's not really a fox. It's like a six-inch medallion. I know, and it's huge. Is it even a medallion? I thought medallion had to be, like, coin-shaped. I thought that's the way I always pictured it, as a small, round medallion. And this is a... It doesn't look like a fox, though. It looks like a bobcat, kind of. That's what I was thinking. It's like a bobcat kitten in his his jacket. I I think that's just, like, a part of the book we haven't gotten to... I think that what's going to happen is he's going to be in like mortal danger, about to die, and then a cat's going to jump out of his coat, and he's going to be like, "Whoa, lucky there was a cat in there." <laughs> How long has I been in there? <laughs> and I guess that's Avienda there on the right, who has to wear boring clothes now. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was right. Elaine because they talk about Elaine having the golden hair. Oh, it could be. Yeah, it could be either. And Perrin's not here. Mm. Sadly. Looks good though. I like Matt's sweet hat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did they change his hat? I feel like his hat used to be something different. Now it's like kind of a crocodile Dundee thing. Well, it's he, he wears a flat brimmed, a wide brimmed black hat, right? Yeah. Which it does look like crocodile Dundee. I was going to say Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, okay. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wear the same hat, actually. It's a little known fact. Stevie Ray Vaughan was a huge crocodile Dundee fan. <laughs> He's like, I really like the way that guy's hat looks. And so, so uh, the guy the he was actor, always telling his bandmates, like, wouldn't it cool when he was like, "That's not a knife." <laughs> yeah, and like when he and when like, he got yeah, big, the actor actually sent him the hat from the movie, and that's what he wore ever since. That's why the actor hasn't been able to make any more movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's really into that hat. So this book starts with uh, a little bit of poetry. Kind of like this. The the. Oh, I thought you were talking about the dedication, which is really sweet. Oh, no. He dedicated it to his wife, and it says, The light of her eyes is my light, with a capital L for my light. Oh, yeah. nice. But what, what, what poetry are you referring to, Jeff? Oh, there's one on the very first page, right off the table of contents. With his coming are the dread fires born again. The hills burn and the land turns sere. The tides of men run out and the hours dwindle. The wall is pierced and the veil of parting raised. Storms rumble beyond the horizon and the fires of heaven purge the earth. There is no salvation without destruction. No hope this side of death. That's pretty good. That's metal. That's yeah. really metal. I mean, you can, you can imagine, like, yeah, the metal singer. No hope this side of death. With his coming on the dread fires born again. So, prologue. The first sparks fall. Icon of the Wheel of Time. So we start with Elida, who is in the White Tower, and now she's the Amarlin seat. And she's meeting with the, her little council of White Tower Aes Sedai. Did we already do an Amarlin seat recap in the last book? I feel like this is like tread there's, ground, right? There's more stuff to recap here, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like he's like changing his, his uh, recap devices in every book, but he's gone back to the Amarlin seat recap. It's kind mm-hmm. of like on TV shows or movies where you learn what's going on by a news report that's on television. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In other I, I, news, here's something directly relevant to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we, I, I suppose we have a new Amarillo seat, so we can count that as like a little bit of a rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. But she's kind of a puppet. Yeah, she's she's awful. She's really weak. Yeah, she's not uh, not acing the new job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised because she really wanted this job so bad. And she, she did organize this whole coup, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess half the people in the tower have fled... So she doesn't even have control over the, the all the Aes Sedai, and the Aes Sedai there are kind of ignoring her. Well, Not ma- making eye contact yeah, with her. Yeah, they don't respect her. Mm-mm. It seems like, yeah, her number two is the one who might be in control. Yeah, Alviaren seems to be manipulating her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it kind of makes sense, though, because, I mean, Elida's, she was not popular to begin with. She would not have been able to pull off this 
this coup without the support of uh, Alvierin. Because I think Alvierin can reach across, reach across the aisle uh, to the to the different Ashas. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. good. Thank you. Uh, because it seems like Elida is only popular with the Reds. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine anybody really liking Elida. Mm-hmm. It, 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 she, she keeps alluding to some, like, uh, you know, way she's going to, like, really seize control, though. So who knows? I mean, like, she could have some, like, crazy plans coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit of news. Davram Bashir is marching south with his army. Hmm, from the where have we heard that name before? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Did parents screw something up with his penis? <laughs> Very possibly. <laughs> Whoops. And there's civil strife in Shinar. That's new. Yeah, like Shinarans sh- fighting Shinarans. What's yeah. the world coming to? I don't know what that's about. And Elaine and Galad are missing. So we knew about Elaine, but Galad, where'd he go? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, like in in the we we know that uh, Gawain was was heavily involved in all of the turmoil that was going on, but yeah. I guess Galad kind of vanished. Yeah, and he's still there. Gawain is still there. Yeah. But Galad was was getting into the, the White Cloak uh, bullshit, right? Like, he was the one who was reading that White Cloak book. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, it's like like Atlas Shrugged. Like, oh, God, come on, dude. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. He has some really good points here. <laughs> We're going to get so much hate mail from libertarians who listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, that's fine. I welcome it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah, so everybody's, they're talking about all these various problems and how the tower can't control them because the tower is weak now, mostly because of what Elida did. But Elida kind of shouts at them that the only thing that matters is Rand, who is the Dragon Reborn, and he has to be ready to fight the last battle. And you know she's right about that. She is. It seemed very reasonable when she was talking about it. They're all, she has a picture of him up on her wall, and they're all avoiding looking at it because they don't want to deal. Mm-hmm. But she's got a point. He's like the most important thing going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, nothing she said actually seemed evil to me mm-hmm. at all. She admits that he's the Dragon Reborn, and she said that it, she feels that, that it's the responsibility of the White Tower to make sure that he's there to face the Dark One when the last battle comes. So mm-hmm. she's still against the forces of darkness. I mean, no, like Elena's she's not never a, been evil, yeah. She's well, not a dark friend, right? I mean, there was some question over whether she was Black Aja or not. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, she, I, 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 I suspect, suspected for a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that she's not now so she's, although her means and her uh, her her methods are stupid and wrong yeah she, her e- intentions are good even here she just starts screaming at them and she she sends a bunch of them for punishment or whatever yeah she's not doing any real leadership here no. and that's weird but when you think about it swan sanche was so secretive about what she was doing and mm-hmm. she didn't trust anybody and Maureen I think was the only one who had any idea what was going on and Elida truly believes that the last battle is coming and that this is going to be the fight to end all fights. And if she has no idea what Swan's doing, there's no trust there. And so it seems actually kind of reasonable to me that she would try to stage a coup. Mm. I'm kind of getting onto a lighter side here. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me also. Yeah. Because must... she knows she has the foretelling, right? She knows for a fact that Randall Thor is important to the fate of the world and Swan is like, Doing something with him? Well, Unclear. And it, just lets him go, too. Yeah. Well, it's important to, to remember that by the time that Elida was, was overthrowing her, Swan was coming out into the open about the things that she knew, the th- things that she had learned. Like, she was beginning to, like, share information, and that's when Elida, like, yeah. attempted to take her. It may have been so, too late, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily buy that Elida's, like, intentions are entirely, like, 
uh, altruistic. I think she, yeah. I think it was a power grab for her. I think that I think her intentions are partly altruistic, but there it it might be really easy for her to make herself believe what it takes for her to take power. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. she wants it so bad that it's like, well, you know, there's probably a good reason for it. Yeah, power hungry, but I think for. Uh, the correct intentions yeah, in a lot sure. of ways. And she she totally overestimated her ability as a leader. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Which is real weird because nobody likes Elida. Mm-hmm. Well, she doesn't know that, right? Like she's she, got to know well, that nobody likes Elida. Or maybe Elida. she doesn't believe that that's what's necessary to be a good Amarlinci. Like being liked is probably she's in her mind being liked is like the least important thing of being an Amarlin, right? Yeah. Maybe I should also say nobody really respects Elida because I guess nobody really liked Swan Sanche much either. Mm-hmm. But they respected her. Yeah. And Elida's replacing respect or attempting to replace respect with fear, but so far it doesn't seem to be working particularly yeah. well. And it brings up an interesting theme throughout the books too, which is this idea of these people who are unprepared who come into power and really struggle to have others acknowledge that and to take control of that power. Mm-hmm. We also learn that Padden Fane is there advising Elida. Mm-hmm. That's going to go great. Yeah, <laughs> man, he is like getting around. <laughs> yeah, this place is. So screwed. The White Tower and the people in the White Tower. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Elida in charge being advised by Pad and Fane, like, or more death, or the Black Wind, or whoever the hell he is. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something, a little bit of all three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just a real, like, cocktail, cocktail of fuck you. Right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We find out what's going on with Morghese, too, and how she's trying to claim the Kyrian throne, which we knew, right? <laughs> because we know that Morghese is hanging out with this Lord Gabriel, who totally is not a Forsaken in any right, way, yeah. shape, or form. And Alviarin says this is good because he's keeping her concentrated on Kyrian, so she's not worrying about stuff like her daughter. Because, yeah. yeah, the White Tower doesn't want Morghese to know that they don't know where Elaine is, yeah, I guess. and they're faking letters from They Elaine. are faking letters, Which, yeah. I, uh, I I don't think we knew that before, but it makes kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, seeking the throne of Kyrian is not in character for Morghese. No. I know before that she was providing aid to the Kyrian uh, refugees. That was like a thing. Yeah. But I guess that that probably stopped when Gabriel uh, came into picture. But uh, we also know that Rand is helping Kyrian also, right? Isn't that when that one of his last acts before he left? Yeah, well, they, from their relief. perspective, terror has invaded Kyrian. Yeah. So Andor has invaded Kyrian and terror also. So from the tower's perspective, they think Andor and terror are going to fight in Kyrian over the throne of Kyrian. That's mm-hmm. right. And we also know that there's a red sister who's been placed with Morghese, who's mm-hmm. who's so young that she can pass for something besides Aes Sedai as well. Yeah. So they've got their right. spies out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that spy, we immediately cut to Ravin, who, that's who Lord Gabriel is. Right. And he's, like, mind-controlling that exact White Tower spy, and she's spilling all of her secrets. Because, do they even know the Forsaken are loose in the White Tower? Uh... Because they, they really sent this woman into the lion's den. I don't think I, I don't think that they. I think that there are rumors of that. I think they talk briefly about the fact, the, they, like... They hope it's not true or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they certainly don't know that Gabriel is a Forsaken at this point. Yeah. They just think he's some some dude that Morghese is into. Right. So he gets a visit from Lanfear, Samael, and Grendel. You know, I gotta say, now that I know that Lanfear is a name that she just made up for herself, it's a lot harder to take her seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, her name wasn't always Lanfear. Her name was... We, we learned her name. You know? Mirren. Mirren, right. 
but apparently at some point she's like, no, I want to be called Lanfear, guys. I think they all made up their own, their new names. Yeah, just Lanfear's not a very good name. Lanfear, <laughs> Robin, Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she rearranges the legend, I am Lanfear, spells out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it could be. Yeah. I am Mirren, does that make? Lanfear, probably. Lanfear, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> In fact, I would be very upset if that turned out to be the case. And we learned that Samael has like a, this scar that he wears that he just wears because he thinks it's cool. Well, it's because it's it's was given to him by Luz Theron. Uh huh. And he's angry about it. Uh-huh. And it's a reminder of how much he hates Luz Theron. Uh huh. He thinks it looks cool. <laughs> and also probably makes him look super badass. Chicks dig scars, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so they all the Forsaken warp in, and I guess that's a new thing, right? They can warp around. Well, I think we they, they can make doorways to other places. They talked about traveling capital T, and I think that's something that. Um, Moraine talks about as a, a, a power from the Age of Legends. I, I guess I thought it was that thing that Rand did where he went to that other world and zoomed around on a stone platform. That might To be, cover the ground quickly. It might be the same thing. I mean, that might be how they're getting there. Well, we, but in this case, they could see through the doorway. Ravin could, to where they came from. Uh-huh. And I noticed it because each of the Forsaken has like a custom place that they live. Like a, what do you call it? A hideout? A pleasure a, dome? Yeah, well, they... they it just seems like they spend a lot of time decorating, you know? <laughs> like, Lanfear comes from a place that's all white silks and fluted columns, and Grendel comes from a place where there's all these beautiful people, like, imposing, and, like, there's a, it's a pool or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they just spend a lot of time on their, their digs, right? Their yeah. interior design. I mean, they have, like, limitless magical power. Why would you not, right? I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, but if you're trying to win the last battle and defeat the Dragon Reborn or whatever, you know, you could... You could put that stuff on the back burner for after your rulers of the blasted earth. I mean, they're forsaken, but they're not ascetic. I, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is why the forsaken always lose. It's because <laughs> they care about this image stuff so much. They're super I, I into mean, interior decorating. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Look, you know, you spend like eighteen hours a day being a forsaken. For the other six hours a day, you want to be able to relax and need a place to do that, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, do forsaken even need to sleep? Uh, that's a good I, question. I assume so. Or well, maybe they spend not. all the time they could be sleeping. Doing like finding new wall hangings that match their aesthetic, <laughs> <laughs> like shopping at a little like antique. And they shop wear clothes that match the place where they live. Uh, I right. mean, it's like Siegfried and Roy. They put <laughs> a lot of effort into this whole package. So Asmodian's like little house would have been like the the little city set from Thriller, I guess, right? A bunch of zombies <laughs> rolling, <laughs> all dancing in the background. Well, as far as we know, one of the Forsaken could have been Siegfried or Roy or both in another life. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, didn't we already agree I Michael think, Jackson was Tavaren? I think oh, we did in a previous But what if he's actually episode. Asmodian? Mm-hmm. Probably reborn in another yeah, life. Yeah, Make a lot of sense. He oh, is man. a bard. That's what I was saying. They say he's a singer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson forsaken confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is really cool. They, they basically get together and they, they have an evil scheme. Yeah. And the evil scheme is for these four forsaken to team up against the other forsaken and Rand. Because Rand has already killed four Forsaken so far. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're saying, look, you know, he's he's picking us off one by one. we got to, like, join forces a little bit. And the, 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 and, the and tension one of them, here is really interesting. Yeah, one of them says, well, why, why just us four? What about the other Forsaken? And she's like, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> just let them fucking die. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? There's less people own. to kill later, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is why the Forsaken lose. They can't work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, in the, like, five minutes they're together, they nearly 
like there's this moment when I think it was Grendel and was it Grendel and Lanfear? Two of them are about to kill each other, and Robin's like, "Oh, oh, getting a shield ready." He's like, "Don't <laughs> yeah. want to get any like, any, like the, the bullshit flames on him or something." He's like, yeah, this is about to go down. Like, <laughs> and like, then Samuel's is also like about to. He notices that Samuel's about to blast both of them because like they're distracted. <laughs> he's like touching them. He's like, "Don't, dude, don't do it." <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Oh, just just hold back for. They're a second. like a second away from blowing up the nukes. <laughs> and this conversation only lasts like thirty seconds. I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so Lanfear is like, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping track at this point because she's like quadruple crossing at this point, right? Cause, yes. Because she's she's working for Rand, sort of, but she's really betraying Rand, or she's intending to like control Rand, but right. she's also betrayed Asmodian, but she's setting it up to look like he's betraying them, and that's her whole thing. It's like, oh, Asmodian betrayed us, but really she betrayed Asmodian. Right. Well, she forced Asmodian to betray them and and work for Rand. Right, because she like she shielded them or something. Yeah, which makes you wonder: these people know Landfear. <laughs> Why would they get in bed with her at all? Because I mean, I, I, she's one of the strongest of them, right? Like she's in, uh, maybe in the top three. Yeah, I think Robin's stronger than her, though. You think so? I, I, I thought they were saying. Does that he think that? Robin thinks he is, but I thought they had said that only Ishmael was stronger than Landfear. I think they said something like that, mm. but I don't know. I mean. Who knows? Yeah, but I, I really like the characterization of these Forsaken. I like... They've got a lot of, like... Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of... Robert Jordan's like, like, he's got these different spins on all the different kinds of evil wizard that you <laughs> can come up with. That's right. And so Robin is, I guess, a master manipulator who, who does a lot of, like, mind controlling. And Samael is, is like, he has armies on the field and, and is a battle wizard. And Grendel just... Is really Collects. into like attractive people. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I think it was Robin was like, oh, she's sort of like me, but she does like she doesn't actually use them. She just likes to collect them as like toys. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, is really. this supposed to be a reference to Grendel? Grendel? I think probably right. Probably there's a name connection there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but I, it may be like it may be an ironic one because Grendel is famously ugly, mm-hmm. and this Grendel is. You know, beautiful and obsessed with beauty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure Robert Jordan would have argued that like these are all like the 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 source of our myth, right? Like these, the wheel is turning, and we are this truth that's happening right now is the stuff that our ancient legends are based on, or something. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I just realized that the Ravin is probably Rawan, or what is his name? The the Indian guy. Oh, it's Jiwan and Rawan. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe who who are like good and bad. I wonder if Lanfear is supposed to be something. Uh, I well, it's probably Jezebel or one of those things. I don't. I, I don't I'm just curious if the name meant anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you know, it's just it's, it's fear. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. it's like bad lady, <laughs> like more death, more death. <laughs> How much death do you want? More death. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. This this is fun. I love this, this yeah. evil scheming. Even though it doesn't seem like this plan is reliable. Even Robin is sitting there thinking. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna betray them, mm-hmm. and sure. all the other Forsaken are all thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna betray them." That's what they do. You know, I'm gonna put that out there. I think we should we should crowdsource uh, mm-hmm. and have people send us if they have any insights into any of these names. Oh they yeah, they are super interesting. It seems like he pulls from so many different mythologies and everything from the Bible to maybe even Indian mythology, which yeah. is super cool. We know that there's like numerous references to. Um, King Arthur and and uh, the Knights of the Round Table and all that stuff. Yeah, so if anybody ever wants has some some interesting insights into that, you can email us at hello at thedragonreread.com. Yeah, let us know what you know about these names. Yes, do our work for us. <laughs> Indeed. Chapter 1, Fanning the Sparks. 
This is kind of a theme, right? Fires of Heaven, the first mm-hmm. sparks fall, Fanning the Sparks. Do they keep it going? Uh, I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Icon of the White Lion of Andor. We get the famous intro, which I love every time. Read it for us. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Sorry, I almost <laughs> said podcast there. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the great forest called Brian Wood. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings in the turning of the wheel, but it was a beginning. Yay! Well <laughs> done. Yeah, it's really nice. So the wind comes down and blows on Min, Swan Sanche, and Leanne, who, in the brief amount of time since we saw them last, have gotten themselves trapped in the shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just bananas over here. <laughs> I was so excited when I was like getting a Min chapter, I was like, oh right, <laughs> they're in some real trouble. <laughs> it's real problem. It's they, gone from bad to worse. I mean, I didn't think they would adapt very well to like peasant life, but this, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's comically bad. They like... <laughs> they were staying in some guy's barn, and then they like they got like the the guy showed up, and then Logan like punched him in the face, and yeah, he, like and dropped knocked, his lantern, yeah. and, and it like burned the barn down, and, and killed, killed the a cows. bunch of milk cows. Yeah. yeah, like this is about as bad as it could get. And they find out later that Logan stole a purse of silver from <laughs> yeah, his he just house. robbed him because he's like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I burned down their barn. I guess I burned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody who lived there was like eyeing them and thinking about stringing them up, but then Gareth Bryan randomly rides by. Yeah, who happens to be the local lord here because he's lord. Yeah. And he's been exiled from Camelin because Ravin has been uh, controlling everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is, just happens to be his lands. So I this bit, Loghain causing this problem makes me wonder, who was Loghain before he became a false dragon? Yeah, we, we don't know a lot about his like pre-false dragon. Yeah. Like, he's not, he wasn't like a king or anything, right? He was just like some dude. Nobody ever heard of him, right? He wasn't a lord. Yeah. yeah. So he was probably just like a thief or something. Yeah, what was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A guy who punches people and steals their shit, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So here's the question. Are Is this trio more or less inept than Nynaeve's detective agency's trio? Okay, currently I would actually argue that they are more inept than Nynaeve's detective agency. I give them a pass. Okay, they... Two of the three of these people were wizards until very recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, they're adapting to not having Three of power. the four of them, actually. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> 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 So only Min, I think, has no excuse for this total cock-up. Uh-huh. <laughs> but to be fair, she's probably, like, corralling them the whole time, right? They're like, I don't know, just, like, make some make some magic fire. And they're like, oh, shit, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> don't worry, I'll put out the fire with my mat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that either. <laughs> so, like, uh, like, normally this would not be a problem for a bunch of wizards. But, you know, without their magic, <laughs> things just burn down. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, maybe that's it. Min talks about the fact that, like, she can't get them to stop, like, talking themselves into trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, shut up! D- just don't stop! And, you know, Nynaeve's detective agency did get captured a couple times, but they were usually captured by, you know, bandits or the Black Aja. They were never captured by farmers. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of farmers have them locked in a shed. And, like, my first instinct was like, it's just a shed that's like, well, actually, none of them have any, any useful abilities, right? <laughs> right. Well, speaking of useful abilities... Leanne has decided to get sexy. Yeah, <laughs> That's she right. Has. She's like, I love this. She was there. She's like sitting in the corner, and, and Min's like, "What is she doing?" And she's like stitching up her clothes and like <laughs> painting her face. And Min's like, "What the fuck is she doing?" And Leanne's like, "I'm getting this out of here." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Like ready to rock because I guess she used she was uh, Damani, and this is like Damani has this like very like sensual culture or something, right? Yeah, they have like a. 
the seductive woman culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, I like the bit where Min's like, doesn't really realize what she's doing, and then she finishes, and she's like, I didn't, you know, she didn't really change the dress at all, but like, her boobs are really sticking out. <laughs> and like, it's really tight around her hips, and it doesn't look like she's wearing any makeup at all. It just looks like her eyes are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so it's working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get called into the trial with Gareth Bryan. Luckily, they didn't get strung up. And... Leanne tries to put her moves on Gareth Brine, and it totally works. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, she knows what she knows what she's about, right? Yeah, it works so well that all the like the the farmers' wives in there are like muttering and angry at her. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like Gareth Brine. I'm glad he's back in the story because like he's uh he's always been kind of like a a cool like de- like well grounded, down to earth sort of guy, and uh, you know he goes about it here too. He's like doing his like justice yeah. thing and he's just, it's real straightforward yeah mm-hmm. it, it, the justice is, is pretty fair actually, i would say right? so yeah he's like I'm, i'll pay for this shit and you guys are going to work off the the stuff that you, you yeah. did and, and even his, his like uh, bookkeeper says to them that it's you know it's 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 hard to be a refugee it's actually a pretty nice life if you just come and work on the manor yeah because you know which if they really were the destitute people they said they were it would be a really nice thing to do for them yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so, yeah, he sentenced them. They have to work off their debt to by working for him. And in order to reassure him that they're not going to run off again, he makes them swear oaths. Mm-hmm. And, and Swan just takes it to an 11. Yeah, immediately. She, she's, they have to choose the oath. And she says, like, I swear by I, my soul and by the light, may I never see the touch of the creator ever again if I break this oath. And Min's like, dude, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? But it's because Swan never intended to keep the oath. Yeah. At all. Yep. She's like, I'll swear, I'll swear whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. It's interesting. They, Because uh, Swan and Gareth Bryan have met. But he didn't recognize her. Well, uh, uh, it sounds like the the stilling has like completely changed their facial features, or or at least pretty severely. And from the way they describe it, Ice and I have such distinctive characteristics that once you strip those away, I, I imagine it's like looking at a different face. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's also supposed to be she's supposed to be looking like twenty years younger or something too. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that even if Gareth Bryan thought she looked familiar. He wouldn't be like, oh, did you uh, de-age 20 years or something? You know, it's like, a, it's, it's, he probably wouldn't expect to see her there either. That's true. Plus, he'd only met her, I think, once as the Omerlin, they say. It would be a pretty big leap to go from this girl who's here, who's in trouble in front of these, this peasant court, to Omerlin's seat. Yeah, very yeah, true. true. It's out of context. Mm-hmm. So they're heading off on a cart to Gareth Bryan's manor house when Loghain shows up again and kills... No, he doesn't kill him. He no, shows up later. He just he, gives him a really bad concussion. Yeah, he yeah. knocks out the guy that's with them. That I'm works sure for he's Gareth fine. Bryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hits him with a sling so hard on his head that he falls off the wagon and lays in the road and never gets up. Yeah, <laughs> those kinds of head injuries, they're fine. You just get, yeah, it's fine. And didn't Swan do that at the end of last book, too, when they were trying to escape from the tower? That's true. No, it wasn't Swan. It was uh, the, the, the head oh, maid yeah, the lady. Head. Oh, Larris. Yeah, the cook. Yeah, who the cook. murdered someone with a frying pan. <laughs> right. Sorry, <laughs> hit him so he didn't get up again. <laughs> For at least an hour. <laughs> he's probably fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, but look, he comes back, and he's got their horses and stuff, including Bella, 
the horse. Yeah, that I was, was like, nice. wait, how did Bella get back around here? She's just been at the White Tower because she's Egwene's horse. Yeah. She's Tavaren. Uh, <laughs> that horse true. is Tavaren. No, she's totally right. Tavaren. Maureen's like, it seems like all these boys are Tavaren, but really, it's that <laughs> Bella, horse. the horse. That's right. <laughs> the horse has been in all these these different situations. <laughs> just happens to be there in the background. So they they head off with Loghain. Yeah, I mean, I I get that they've got shit to do, but they're being pretty uncool. I feel like Brian was like offering them like a pretty solid situation, and then they like they swear this. Oh, I'm, I'm like I'm a little bit irritated think, with them for the way they handle this. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they they do think they're saving the world, but do they? I mean, like, what is the what is? We don't really know exactly what Swan's trying to do, except that she's trying to meet up with. I guess she's trying to find the other blue Aja? Is yeah, that... she's trying to find the other Aes Sedai, which, why? Yeah. She, they're not going to want her anymore. She doesn't have any power. Like, she, what does she have to add to the situation? Her primary impetus right now is revenge. Yeah. I'm not even sure she's, like, you could even argue that she's doing anything, like, for the good of humanity, right? Yeah, and, and from a, from just a straight apples-to-apples comparison, escaping the you know, life of humiliation in the White Tower and going to work for Gareth Bryan, that's a pretty good trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually a fairly good way to end up, and you get the fun of burning down someone's farm. <laughs> that's right. And all you have to do, you, you get a job and you get to burn down somebody's farm. It's <laughs> yeah. a win-win. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we also get some good, uh, we get a few good quotes, too, from Swan, some good fish quotes. Oh, and yes. we get Min that's... saying she's already tired of it. <laughs> I know. A flapping... We know, Min. Yes, we know. we know. A flapping tongue can put you in the net instead of the fish, and if you must drown or ride a lionfish, you ride and hope for the best. And Min's like, oh, really? seriously? Is this... I think she's making these things up. I don't think they say that. Well, the thing is, the lionfish, they're not that big, right? They're the ones that have the kind of like brown and white stripes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing when she said that. Oh, I thought she was... I didn't know that was a real thing in the real world. I thought she was referring to sharks. No, they're no. they're a small but poisonous fish. They have spines. Yeah, they're they're really bad for the environment. Um, but the thing is, they're not that big, which makes me wonder: after the breaking of the world, are people like this big now? <laughs> yeah, they're like six oh. inches tall. Yeah, they're six inches yeah. tall, so they that's, can ride a lionfish. Oh my god, that's, that's why the world's so big. Yeah, that that's why the giant statue of the the Angriol is so big. It's, it's just, just a regular, regular person. Size. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, you're right, Alice. <laughs> uh huh. And this map. Where like oh it must only be showing part of the world no that's literally the entire world for them everybody's just six inches tall now oh. you heard it here first that explains so much it makes perfect sense uh-huh <laughs> thanks swan for for leaving us those breadcrumbs so you can figure <laughs> that one out right. yep she we wouldn't have known that if not for her terran commoner's wisdom <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the the Fisher sayings would be what gave her away to Gareth Bryan. <laughs> He's like the only person who leans on those Terran Fisher folk stuff is Swan Sanche. I mean, we don't know. Maybe all Terran people are like that. I don't know. We've met a bunch of Terran people and none of them were <laughs> relying entirely on Fisher folk. Yeah, I mean, Julian doesn't do that. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Maybe it's a little bit wasn't a fisherman. Yeah, yeah maybe really a Terran fisherman. Yeah, so they set off on their quest for revenge. And Gareth Bryan decides to set out after them. I, I wanted I wanted to say here that his manager bookkeeper Carlin, she is like a top tier bro. Like she is winging hard for Brian, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, seriously. Like he's just like, oh, she keeps sending me all these pretty maids, like hiring all these maids. He, he calls and, like, it a parade of <laughs> pretty girls. He's just like lining up the ladies for Brian. He's like, ah, ah, ah. 
Yeah, she's like, all right, I'll bring in some more. You think she's a bro, or do you think maybe she just wants him to get out of her business? Because <laughs> he says she usually runs things around his estate while he's off being a general. That is a great point. And I now mean, he's back, he's like stepping in on all the stuff she's been managing. And it, I mean, he he admits it too. He's like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I should just let her run things. So mm-hmm. at least he acknowledges it. But So she's, she's just like, I'm going to find him a you know a side piece. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> he'll get busy. To like... <laughs> Leave me alone. Not the worst idea. And something interesting happens, though, when Loghain says that he's going to stay with Swan and all of them. Mm -hmm. When he says it, uh, Min sees that halo around his head again. So when he made that decision, Mm -hmm. that's going to lead to some sort of glory, I'm assuming. Yeah. I think so, yeah. We don't know what Loghain's destined for. I I wonder again who Loghain was, because... Like, he cold-cocked that dude, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Like, he knew how to hide a bunch of horses in a forest and, and lay in wait. And and he he knocked that guy out and left him in the road. He had to have been a bandit, right? I mean, like all of these things, they those signs point to bandit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Gareth Bryan is chasing after them because he's bored of this life. And it, <laughs> he's I, got a bunch of his friends who are also bored, <laughs> like his old soldier friends. Yeah. And they're like, "Are we going somewhere? Are we going somewhere?" <laughs> I, I I find this kind of charming, just like this idea of all these like old dudes who are like, "Well, you know, hey, if you're." Uh, if you want to get the whole the gang back together, we can go soldier around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and he's like, well, we're just going to go track down some Oathbreakers. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> he's got like 20 I got, dudes. I got my pack. I got my, my spear. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go. Uh, I, I think this is probably a Robert Jordan thing, you know? Yeah. I wonder if this is how he felt when he was talking to his old war buddies. Yeah. It's very possible, A bunch yeah. of old soldiers. But also, Gareth Bryan has the googly eyes for Swan Sanche. Yeah, yeah it's funny because Carlin's trying to hook him up with, um, what's her name? Lane. Yeah, he's trying to hook her up with Leanne. He's like, you know, she's cool and all, but man, those eyes. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to a new character, Altiema. Who I could not remember. Now now I'm pretty sure I remember yeah. who she was, but I could not remember who she was. There was that business about how she was poisoning her husband and Rand, like, broke it up. Yeah, and then, like, I guess he put her under the the care of her worst enemy or something, right? Is that the thing? Like, her and her husband, he put them on, both under the care of her worst enemy, who was likely to want her husband to be okay and murder her or something. Yeah, but her husband was having an affair with her enemy, and she was poisoning him for it, but he, like, broke that up. Right. And so she was worried about retribution. Right. That's right. And anyway, so she, she fled Ter, and she came to Camelin, and she's almost destitute, which seems like there's a lot of Terran nobility yeah. Who's been destroyed by the dragon because, you know, the fires of heaven rain down and everybody blows up, or however the poem went. The chains are broken or something. <laughs> oh, some chains are broken. Yeah, but she, so she gets an introduction to go meet with Morghese. And we see directly that Morghese is being mind-fucked by Gabriel. Yeah, man. Not he's... just mind. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, he's got all the charm of a roofie cocktail, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's... Uh... He does. Yeah, yeah we nasty. get this... This is a really creepy scene where she comes in thinking like, okay, clearly she's in love with this guy. And Morghese is wearing like sexy dresses or something, which are totally out of character. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Altama spends any time with this guy, she starts worshipping him. Oh my God, he's the most amazing guy ever. And starts telling him everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because clearly he's fucking with her head. Yep. So and this scene is real creepy. Yep. And then he's, he, yeah, he just sends her off to bed. He sends Morghese off to bed like a kid. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah, it's, and yeah, it's really sad. She was so strong, and the and and the at the end of the chapter, it it, it shows like she's trying to kind of break out of it and just not. Yeah, yeah. Right. She's thinking to herself, "What? I mean, why would he send me to bed? Oh well, oh, but whatever." 
Yeah. yeah. There's this like voice in her head that's like, stop being so stubborn. Yeah. I think he that. mentioned earlier in the chapter that when you're mind controlling somebody, there are some people that instinctively try and break out of the mind control because they're so, uh, their wills are, will is so strong, even if they don't know that's what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what that is. Mm-hmm. So I guess Gabriel or Ravin is now up to date on everything that Altama knew from Terra. And Altama's probably screwed. Yeah, I, I don't imagine that Altama's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, she's either, like, he, I think he mentions, oh, you might be, you know, cute enough to keep around. So either he's going to enslave her as one of his little, like, puppets, mm-hmm. or he's probably going to kill her, I yeah. imagine. Yes. So we haven't, uh, we haven't made it to any of our main characters yet. No, that's true. Well, no. the, the, these were, uh, as is typical of Robert Jordan, kind of recap chapters. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the heck out of world. them, though. They, I, I agree. These are probably the the better recap chapters so far. They were interesting. There was like They were told from perspectives that we haven't seen much of, or mm-hmm. our viewpoints and from characters that we don't mm-hmm. hear a lot of. And there was new information, too. Yeah. No, I, I, I liked them a lot. Yeah. It, Elida is reminding me of Theon Greyjoy from the Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. in that I can, I can see why she's doing what she's doing, but also... Everything bad that happens to her is going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be really enjoyable. Oh, yeah, because she's, she's, like, absolutely screwed people over and, and, and caused a lot, of, like, a lot of really uh, bad situations for the world. Like, like the, her weakening of the White Tower at, at this particular point is, I'm sure, going to have, like, far-reaching consequences. And if nothing else, it murdered a lot of women. Yeah, also true. Mm-hmm. And innocence as well. People oh, who yeah. like worked there. Oh yeah, she didn't even care. Yeah, it was it was it was all about that power grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Leanne, and 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 maybe it's like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like I, it actually kind of bugged me because there's this conversation we didn't talk about where Swan asks Leanne, "Why are you doing this?" And Leanne's like, "Oh, you know, I'm trying to get this out." She's like, "But why are you really doing this?" And Leanne's answer is, "I don't really like it." Yeah. It's like, well, she yeah, they say that. The only way to survive once you've been stilled is you have to fill the hole with something else. Yeah, and she and like takes that kind of revenge, and yeah. for Leanne, it's literally filling, filling the hole, filling the hole with I, someone else. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't really care for that. Like, she's like, so her new purpose is to be like a, is to like flirt and get with men or whatever. I was like, well, she's I, like, she's such a smart and capable person. It kind of like frustrated me that that was her response. You know? Well, she's. I think she's still smart and capable. And remember, yeah, she did the best job of any of them of getting them out. No, she failed, but she came closest. You're right, and I and I, I think her skills absolutely make sense. I just not I'm not sure that it feels right for that character. I mean, I don't know. It's not my character. I didn't write her, but like mm-hmm. she seems in. Well, I don't know. That's never the read I got from her. Is like. Being the boy crazy guy. Well, remember, like, she's the one that, that kept creeping on all the yeah, main characters. I guess she was boy crazy, wasn't remember she? Remember that? She yeah. was all like, you're a fine hunk of man. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, she did. I gotta go. <laughs> See, I don't, I, I don't think that's what it is. The read I'm getting, because she says, um, I know flirting isn't something to fill up the emptiness, but it's enough to fill an idle moment. Maybe being who I was born to be will suffice. I think she's she, i mean she says it's enough to fill an idle moment but it's not a boredom thing i think she's trying to figure out who she's going to be since everything that was the essence of her identity was stripped away so she's going back to the only other thing she ever knew which was this way she was raised and trained yeah sure, yeah it's like yeah. she's reinventing herself yeah so that she doesn't have to think about the other person she can't be anymore it's not unlike when you're a teenager and you're becoming an adult and you try a bunch of different identities to try to figure out who it is you want to be and including apparently you know like putting on makeup and dressing differently. So. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Yeah, I wonder uh, if she's... Uh, it seems like most of the girls that became Aes Sedai came to the tower as girls. Mm-hmm. So she may not have had a teenage moment like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And, mm-hmm. I res- and I respect it, too, that she her first choice was not to be in this role that was prepared for her and that was expected from being growing up within the Domani society and that every single other woman had done, she chose to enter this role of tremendous power. Yeah. So I respect that about her. Yeah. Yeah. She also, what's happening. It would be very easy for her to just get drafted along with Swan's plans Mm -hmm. because Swan is so strong willed, Mm -hmm. but she decides not to do that either. She Mm -hmm. says, that's not who I'm going to be. I just feel like she could, she's, she's so smart and like, I just feel like she could be capable of so much more than just like, Oh, I'm going to go land a man or something, you know, like, but, but maybe, maybe that's not really the idea. I I don't think think she's trying to land a man. I think she's just trying to use manipulation tactics to gain as much power as she possibly can. Yes. so little right think now. of Baralane. yeah she's very powerful yeah or, or well she uses sexuality as as the way to influence and and grow her own power yeah i guess she talks about how her mom used it like was a merchant who used that to like get really good deals basically yeah <laughs> right to get yeah. discounts mm-hmm. yeah basically yeah that makes perfect sense, right? She's doing the same thing anybody else does, but this is just a tool in her arsenal. Yeah. I think and it's a conscious thing. It's not, she's not defining herself with a man. Mm-hmm. I do think it's part of the Robert Jordan's irritating how women and men can't truly understand each other. And it's just women who are always trying to manipulate men because men be stupid and women be crazy. I see mm. a little bit of that because she tries that with Gareth Byrne by just by being a little sexy. She's like, yeah, that'll work. And it does work. Mm-hmm. Even though Gareth Bryan is not the type of person I would expect to be susceptible to that, but yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. There was a a passage I wrote down, and I, it kind of bugged me a little bit. I think he's the kind of man who might hear more promises than you meant to offer and expect them to be fulfilled. <laughs> My mother always said that if that happened, you had miscalculated badly. If there was no way back out, you either had to abandon dignity to run or pay the price and consider it a lesson. I thought that was a little weird. I'm and assuming then, pay the price meant having have to have sex with them. Yeah. I think that she's talking about getting... That's what I, that, I'm yeah. sure that's what she's talking about. And then she says, my aunt Rosara said you paid the price and enjoyed it. I was like, oh, gross. I've heard that before. You can't rape the willing. I've heard women say that. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't think that, it doesn't sound like they're willing, right? I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, well, the, the, the point is you lie back and enjoy it or yeah. whatever, which is not something we would give as advice to our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cost to do in business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this seemed a little terrible, but you know, I know that she's not saying that, but yeah. Well, she's she is though, because that, like, there's a point where somebody asks her, "Well, what would you have done if Gareth Bryan wanted to have sex with you to get us off?" And and <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "I would have had sex with him, basically." Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Which you Which know, kind of better like, than being lashed, I guess. It's better than being a slave for five years or something. Yeah. yeah. It's also like, you know, if your goal is to go out and save the world, that's totally worth doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's Gareth Bryan, right? I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. No, I mean, like, no, it's, by all accounts, he's like a really, you know, attractive. He's older, though. You he's know? fit, you know? Yeah. He's a campaigner, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, she might be older, too, so we don't know how old Leanne actually is. I know she looks really young. Mm-hmm. I hear where you're coming from, but it didn't strike me as that bad because what she's saying is, I'm going to use sex as a weapon. Yeah. And if you're using sex and sexuality as a weapon, sometimes you end up having sex you don't want to have. That's yeah. just the, the price of doing that. I suppose so. 
It it felt a little bit like a she was asking for it kind of passage, and I didn't really care for that. Yeah. Although I suppose if you were implying to him that you're going to have sex with him. Yeah, but you should still be able to say, no, I'm not going to have sex. I mean, like, it's, you know, there's still... It's, it, I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen. I'm saying that it, I don't like that the, the message is, well, that's just what you get, you know? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's what happens. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters two through five of The Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have a lose. <laughs> so please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon to patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club and give us your dollars. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. <laughs> Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.